All right, welcome back to the Whitetail Experience Podcast. Got a pretty cool podcast going for you guys today. Um, I have oh some some stuff I'm going to get to around mobile hunting and some of my efficiencies and some of my notes there. And this came in because I got a uh, Instagram DM from the oh, Ohio Mobile Hunting Roadshow. And a guy asked me, hey, I couldn't stay. I really wanted to hear your presentation. And so I'm going to do a podcast on that. And actually then I have some audio from Heath Cisco, Nathan Killen, Cody. Um, I wish I had a little more. I wish I had some from Jake uh, Bush. But, but I, I grabbed snippets of some deer talk, some hunting strategies, buck beds, thermals, uh, wind, very detailed uh, hunting type talk from those guys. Cody does tell a killer uh, cool hunting story too. I got that coming in uh, after I get through some of these mobile hunting thoughts. But I have that audio from the mobile hunting roadshow, so I might as well link it in and give you guys something extra. Um, I think it'd make for for a cool listen from from guys that've been doing it a long time as far as killing good bucks in in Ohio, which is a core of our audience. Also, I really appreciate a lot of the positive feedback from the film that dropped here within the last week. If you guys haven't checked that out, uh, I shoot that buck three feet off the ground at seven yards, and a lot of people have really commented on the, the, the production in, in that film, so, so I appreciate all the positive feedback there. With that being said, let's go ahead and get to some of my podcast notes on mobile hunting did want to mention to you guys if you're looking to purchase some custom gear before fall enter code wexp at checkout save yourself with a little coin let's get back to the show efficiency and some of the gear i may use or some of the thoughts i have but uh i'll go ahead and a lot of these i may reference videos on our youtube channel because we have a, a mobile hunting playlist that has a lot of these hacks or visual um and a little more visual behind them but get, I guess starting things off, one of the big proponents, I, I, and I will say, we hang a lot of stands. There are plenty of brands and people out there that may hunt mobile 20 times a year. Dude, that's like just the first week of November for us, hanging one to two times a day. And, you know, I think we build a, I've got a pretty good grasp on several of these things just because we do mobile hunt so much. Heck, even on my private farm, generally I walk in and hang a set um, and may leave it the rest of the year, but chances are I don't take time out of my schedule to go prep those. But let's move on to, uh, first and foremost, transportation uh, of your stand and sticks and getting good straps. And I'm talking moly military packing style straps. There is nothing better than that. I know some companies make some pretty decent straps but they don't hold a candle they're like a five out of ten when a moly straps like a nine out of ten so definitely look into those 40 or 50 ish bucks on amazon they go up they skyrocket right before season i think um i know there's some companies out there oh some smaller mom and pop style companies that actually make moly straps specifically for certain stand models uh i may look into those but definitely get yourself yourself some really good straps I plan to even pull, now that I have two Kuyu frames, I might pull the Kuyu straps off my small bag and put them on my tree stand because they are so good and that just makes carrying that weight so much better. Um, also hip belt, I, I know those dangle in the wind and some guys are concerned about those, but I like dumping that weight to the hips uh, because it's the strongest joint on your body. I have a note here about 
getting as high as you can with one stick. A lot of guys I see out there really just put their stick at ground level, and I'm like, you went nowhere. I try to get my first stick uh, one foot above my head. I think that's a good mark because I know I'm six foot. So if I can get to the seven foot mark with one stick, uh, that makes starting that climb um, very efficient. And if I'm going to take a risk or stretch myself, why don't I stretch myself or take that risk closer to the ground so if something were to go wrong, I'm not falling uh, near as far. And I like to do that either with a multi-step aider to get up there, kind of like one of those climbing aiders. Uh, or you can use sets of cable aiders over the course of your sticks to, to get maximum height out of your climbing sticks. That's the only knack I have on the cable aiders. They climb better, um, but they they don't allow you to get stupid high with one stick right off the jump. So I think this year I'm actually going to be bringing in a, a very long climbing aider, in fact, for my first stick. I have a note here that generally you see a lot of these guys doing these sweet ass demo videos on, you know, Mobile Hunters United or Facebook or YouTube, and they're all hanging in um, athletic shorts and a t-shirt, and that that's awesome. You can stretch your, your yourself a lot when you're you're in that kind of gear. So I generally have a note here that I hang my tree stand. I go up and down twice. Um, I think if I wasn't filming, I might be able to do it in one shot. But I like hanging my stand in the rut you know, in my minimalist gear, generally I walk in with just a base layer and a light pair of pants, hang my stand, come down to the base, and then put my clothes on and go up for my final sit. That way all my work's done when I'm in lighter gear and I'm not like, you know, working up as much heat or sweating. Uh, so I think that's a, an important note there. I have a note here on Titan straps. I found these last year through Walt um, from Jason Tails. And I have not found a better way to get tree stand sticks of any kind onto a stand I, as far as a strapping method is concerned. Because they're rubberized, they, I think they come from the ski uh, industry, you can put max tension, buckle it over, and then those, the, those sticks aren't going anywhere. They're rock solid. If you've seen my videos, you know the that, I, that I've been running my sticks horizontal for the last year, the custom your doubles I actually plan to run the XRP doubles in that horizontal fat you know fashion as well but those those Titan straps are hands down the best at, at getting sticks onto a stand I have a few different lengths uh, I have the orange ones which are stupid long the blue ones are a little a, a little oh too short I like a, a touch longer if you're kind of between lengths um, for your setup I would probably get a measurement and, and get the the straps that are close to that are a touch longer. Uh, the pink ones, as crazy as that, as that sounds, are the perfect size, in my opinion, the ones I could get from Amazon. I have a note here. I have a, um, in my bag, I carry a Cranford folding uh, step. And that folding step uh, doubles in a lot of purposes. One, if you're going to screw a, a bag holder into the tree, you can use it for that. Um, but also, if you happen to be climbing um, and need to do X, Y, and Z around a uh, split V, where it obviously tapers smaller and your stick strap kind of slides a lot more, you can get around that V with a Cranford step, if that's legal in your state, obviously, uh, being that you got to screw into the tree. But I like taking stuff like that that has dual purpose. The other thing you can do um, is hang a mini stick with a cable aider, and that cable aider is about 
um, chest to belly button height, which I can't really stretch myself that high, I can put that cranford step right in the base of the tree about two foot off the ground and then get to the cable later from, from the beginning of my climb. And that allows me to get that stick really high. So I like taking stuff like that versus if I just had a, if I just had a screw in bag holder for my, my sets, right? Well, I can't climb with that thing. At least a cranford folding step, um, packs better because it folds up like a pocket knife and it, it can be used actually as a climbing device. Um, sometimes they're nice to, to use for trail cams um, as well. So I thought I would mention that. A bow holder on your tree stand. I This is something I did for the very first time last year and I wanted to punch myself in the face for mobile hunting for years without a bow holder in my tree stand. And why is that important? Well, generally in the past, I've, I've turned around in the tree and done a screw-in uh, bow holder and or even if you're running a strap that's two to three extra step, steps in a mobile setup because you got to get that strap or that bow holder out of your bag you got to put it in your pocket you got to climb the tree with that thing in your pocket or you got to remove it from the bag up in the tree and then get it around the tree and then you got to do that and when you tear down at the end of the night as well so there's a couple different steps right there now if you've got one built in i will say it works about 80, 90% of the time. Occasionally you'll get in a tree where you can't have your bow in that setup, whatever there's a branch in the way. So at that point I pull out that Cranford step and I use that as a bow holder for the night. So uh, again, dual purpose with that step, but, but having a, a bow holder in your stand. The other thing is if you're sitting low, let's say 10 foot off the ground or under, you don't need a tow rope at that point because you can either reach up and put that bow in into that, that holder and then climb the rest of the way up or maybe get to that first stick if it's a low set and then put it in the bow holder, grab your bag, put that on your back and go up. So it, it eliminates some steps when, when you're doing that kind of hunting. I wish I would have done that a couple years back. I have a note here on molly straps or molly bags, uh, small little hit bags that I put on my waistband uh, of my stand. I store my straps in those, and I, I really like those. You can find those on Amazon for five dollars. They got different configurations. I also use one of those bags under the seat of my tree stand to store my tow rope. I like actually hanging my step or my setup, and then dropping my tow rope down from the top. It just seems like when you go to take off from the ground, you got ropes everywhere. Your lineman's belt. And, and my tow rope sometimes gets tangled up when I'm ascending, especially if you're hanging and there's like green briar or bushes nearby. I just find that once I got that stand up in the air, uh, I can then pick the best way to pull up my bow and I can like drop that rope essentially down on maybe the side of the tree stand that has less clutter or, uh, or has the best route up through some branches. So I like doing that as well. I think that's a good note there for, for guys wanting to mobile hunt. I do have in my bag an extra strap, no buckle. Uh, four buckles does weigh about two pounds, so going the buckleless method is a no-brainer. I should mention that. And uh, if you're not sure what that is, we got a video on our YouTube. It's buckle or buckleless or no buckle, something like that is the title. But definitely check that out. Four buckles weighs about two pounds. I do keep a extra strap, like I said, in the bag, and that's just you know a section of of web strapping or whatever that that comes with the custom gears or the XOPs, and that is for big trees. If I would have to hang in a tree that maybe your standard strap comes up one foot short, I could double, I could double that strap over 
and get around that big tree or whatever and start my climb because it tapers out. Hopefully by the second stick I could get um, I could get that that standard strap around the tree. The other thing I don't uh, traditionally put a strap on the bottom of my stand, but if I had a tree that I was afraid of a kick out because I've got that extra cam strap in my bag, I could go ahead and throw it around that bottom and tighten it up using the buckleless method to, to at least prevent a kick out. So again, dual purpose there with that one extra strap. Uh, Ropeman one, that is a pretty standard issue item nowadays. If you don't know what that is, um, punch that into Google, but that allows you to work your lineman's belt rope, uh, essentially with one hand operation to take slack out or, or get slack in your climb as, as you're hanging. And I'm going to look over my notes here, make sure I didn't miss anything. I think that's it. If you guys have any more questions or, or whatever, shoot me a DM and I'll try and get it answered. I should shoot a YouTube video as well. But now I think at this point in the show, let's go ahead and roll some of the uh, mobile hunting roadshow audio that I captured when we sit, sat down and talked a little more deer hunting, deer tactic talk. I think you guys are going to enjoy. There is early season and through that October lull, it's just not going to be with bucks raking trees on field edges. So um, I've, I, yeah, I, I probably have over, over. That just, they kept pushing it. And the next thing you know, everybody's believing it. Mm -hmm. And the whole reason is, is like they've already stated, uh, they're, in, they're not traveling very far from their bedding. So you got to get in tight. Most people were setting, you know, traditional pinches, field edges, uh, scraping areas, whatever. And they just weren't getting in and hunting down a deer. They were just hunting areas. And then, you know, deer don't care about that. They're eating and they're someplace and they're real patternable. If it was someplace I was going on a trip, uh, it'd probably have to be like last week of October to where you could go. And if you go too early, there's no sign there really even to read. I mean, you're just reading, you know. If you go there, if it was a trip, that's when they're making the sign. You know, that, that last week of October, they're on their feet, they're making the sign and you could, you could come into a place and, and I guess it's fresh sign, easier to scout that last you know but but in my farm over here I, I, I need that first week <laughs> I've been waiting too long for it uh, the more you depends on what time of year it is if it's early season um, you got to get out there and put boots on the ground to find them uh, they'll switch they'll uh, adjust they'll move to food so I found a lot of them sometimes on the south facing slopes uh, on little uh, finger ridges and stuff like that close to acorn flats and what I found is too is they got you would think oh, they're not gonna have the wind advantage there well they do because as soon as that Sun pops up over the horizon the thermals hit that hillside and they're catching everything coming up to them so it's a thermal bed I guess you could say that's positioned close to food so if you find the food depends on what the pressure is too usually they're within a few hundred yards of that and you can find them but sometimes if the pressure's on um, you just got to go look um, you can't just say oh, I know he's going to be there in my opinion he's going to be here because this sets up perfect for him well it doesn't mean that he could be you know, 100 yards off that food on one of these little knolls, a little high spot right over a ditch, overlooking and catching all the thermals. So it just depends. Uh, you got to scout it to figure it out, figure that out. And it changes from year to year. You could have these white oaks producing acorns one year, and the next year they're not producing. So he, he has no reason to be there. And uh, he's headed down to a crop field over here, so he would be positioned up perfect for this northeast slope uh, and headed down that way. It just depends, in my experience bow hunting with around here in like probably late 80s early 90s we'd taken 
we take and tie a piece of thread to our hat. And you just put the, on the hat bill, you put the thread up there, and then when you sit and stand and you, you look and yeah, I'm good or whatever. But what you get a lot of around here, and I didn't really start to, and, and you know, you'd throw up a milkweed or something before you went in the woods, but what I didn't really, in just the last few years, has opened my eyes to the thermals around here. Because you watch this stuff on TV and you see a guy, he's sitting in a tree stand and, uh, you know, he gets in there at 3 o'clock and everything's cool. And at 5 o'clock, he's like, yes, my wind's changed. I'm getting down. I'm going. You do that here, you're crazy. I mean, well, you got two days off work, you're hunting, you get in a tree stand and went. It, it, it swirl in five minutes, it might be back the way it was. You know, just the swirling winds and stuff and, and just checking it with that scent bottle. Uh, you know, once from going from the string on the hat to the puffer, and uh, I'll tell you, I'm the world's worst to sit there and puff. Yeah, puff, shit, puff, ah. You know, you put the stupid thing away. That that th that milkweed in that little thing has taught me so much because I've sat there and I've I like, you puff it and you're like, oh yeah, that's perfect. And then you drop that piece of milkweed and you watch that milkweed get right to where you couldn't see the thing and then start dancing and then go up, up the hill and you're just like, so now I'm, I'm going, this is fine, you know, but you put a lot, you got to put, I'm not saying don't hunt the wind, you got to, but it, it, when you're out west, a lot of times it's the same wind for a couple days and you can predict, around here, you know, if that wind switches, when the sun starts going down, just chill out for a little bit. It may go right back the way you want it, you know, don't get out of stand and abort the mission, uh, you know, drop that milkweed and maybe then you know, okay, I'm on the verge it's right there. If he does come in, I'm gonna to have to bust him here before he gets here. Yeah, you know. It, it, it's oh, using yeah. that. And turn around and shoot a deer. Never. It's never happened. Like even, and and it was accumulation of a lot of years of getting to that point. But you know, and and all the times where I would set up in a spot like that, I'd end up either not getting shot off, getting busted. You know, it, it always ended horribly. So like I now like my my process and in. In the whole mix of this, <laughs> that's like we talk about manipulating this area. The scent and the thermals, that's only, that, that's like, that's one little piece of the puzzle. You gotta, so, there's a lot of guys I know that get that, probably as well as I do, and they can't get it done under the pressure. Like, so then now, there's, there's like, there's like four quadrants, I think, or four like sections, right? You, you know, you, you, you find these areas. When you get to the point to where you can find these areas, then you gotta get to the point where you understand the wind and the thermals to know where to hang your stand and how to hang your stand. Then, sometimes the toughest part is actually getting it done. Like, there's guys that find themselves in the right spot all the time, but they're hanging their stand wrong to where they there's way too much movement, they don't know when to draw, they don't, and that stuff comes with just experience of killing deer and just a lot of them. But that's where like I, I'm always shooting up, with the, I'm always setting up with the same shot over my left knee it's very methodical, so I let that tree dictate that, but I now try and get as low as I possibly can because I can get up there quicker, I can, you know, stay still, you know, and, and, and now I just, it, 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 it jacks me up, man. I just, I try and get as low and as close as I possibly can. And a lot of the times, um, and even down here I was doing it, you know, I, I was really trying to stay low, and even if it was sketch, I'd use the tree to my advantage and maybe get completely off the backside to where I'm still shooting the same way, but they can't even see me. You know, I, I'm four feet up. All When they're seeing, that's all they see is straps on a tree. But I'm ready to pop them as soon as I reach out, you know? And, it, and it's like, it's, it's um, so so I don't ever shoot for a height. I just, I let, I always let the, the place 
And all those things in process dictate how the tree setup looks. So first, it that hits with cold fronts or just crazy rut activity. But anyway, I was sitting in this woodlot on, and actually, so the old man told me, this was like right as I started venturing out on my own as, as like a hunter when I was just a kid. He told me, he's like, go find yourself a spot in this in this woodlot, you know, there's big bucks come off that river all the time. And and them rivers in the rut are like highways, you know, like just like these, uh, just like train tracks and, you know, hedgerows in Kansas. Like there's different, there's different, um, you know, things that these bucks run. So over here, it's this river, you know, they run this river system. He's like, something will pop off that river and, and, and show up in there. So I remember being in there and I, you know, I set my stand, I'm sitting in there and just, you know, hanging out and there was a buck. There was this this uh, this old gnarly like probably 130 inch like just heavy, big bodied buck comes crawling out of the riverbank with a doe, like they came from I didn't even know that the deer could swim across that river they can, very easily but they came from, like this this muddy ditch they're all covered in mud and they come crawling out and she's getting ready and he knows that so he's he's just he's tending her, and uh, they're sitting there they're about 60 yards, and. Um, I watched, uh, as I'm, you know, as time went by, maybe 20 minutes, I see a buck on the other side of the river, and he's coming down, and crew, and I'm like, I'll be, I'll be damned, just like Dad said, just buck cruising the river, you know, he's cruising the river, he catches wind, he catches wind of that doe, and he pops, and he disappears in the creek bottom, I'm like, no, I'm like, he ain't, there's no way he's swimming across the river, swam right across, popped up on that bank, and was, and, and, and then popped up on that bank, and then was just hanging out, and this, this 130, this this old boy that was with the doe, wasn't given an inch, and he was like, you know, don't even try it. And that deer hung out there. Then another 15 minutes probably went by. No shit on that same trail. And this is the trail that that doe and buck came from originally. I just didn't see it. So on that same trail, another buck was on that trail, and I'm like, well, you got no way, you know. And this other buck is just sitting there. Everything's all like, they ain't moving a muscle. They're they're both watching this doe, and they're both watching each other, and nothing's happening. This buck, this buck comes running down the trail, and I'm like, wow, this is insane. Like, you know, I'm watching this all for the first time. Dumps across, dump, disappears down the creek. I'm like, no way. Sure as shit. Pops right back up that trail. And then he's sitting there, and then him and that other buck are kind of like right next to each other, but the old buck still got the, still got the girl, right? Another freaking buck. Ten minutes later comes. And now these, these are good bucks. These are like... 145 it, like i just shot shot any of these bucks at that point in time i was like oh my god this is insane third buck comes in i it, it still to this day i wonder if it was like somehow like planned or something between these other bucks but they all so she he comes over pops up on the ridge and this buck decides he wants to test like he's like all right well you know i'm gonna get this doe so he starts creeping he starts creeping toward um the old deer the old buck and that his hair just just pops up like a blowfish and he starts sideways on that deer and that deer backs up and just just backs up goes off like maybe 50 yards and i'm like oh shit another one of the deer another one of those bucks five minutes later tries to test him he does the same thing at that point in time i'm not shitting you all three of those bucks that just got punked it was almost like they looked at each other and they're like, we can all take this guy. <laughs> I swear to God, they all advanced this deer at the same time. And what I seen next was the craziest thing I've seen in the woods to this day. That buck reared up, hair out, dug in, and it was like 
battle royale. He fought off every, all three of those bucks. Like, like at the same time. He locked up with one, dug in, got like pushed over, got up, like charged the other one. Like, I mean, and that doe was just pinned down in this little thicket. He fought them bucks for like probably 15 solid minutes. Gassed, just drooling, just, and he kicked all their asses. And they all left tails, tail between their legs. And then he was like, just at the end, was just like standing like this. And then the sun went down and I lost track of both of them. But it was like the coolest thing I've ever seen in the woods just because like it was like so freaking like what it's about.